The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Well, we should have known by this point of the trip that we don't trust Peter with anything. Yeah, anything, no. Okay? Right. <laughs> yes, he is. He's been recording for a minute now. Yes. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? It's the Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcast, and it's going to be a doozy today, okay? We're on the road. We just left Cleveland. We're on our way to Latrobe, Pennsylvania. We're going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I got maybe the coolest guest I've ever had on my podcast. There's no way it's well, the coolest guest. No 62-year-old. No, you had DeAndre Hopkins on your podcast. That is the coolest person of all time. You're right. I lie. Yeah, you're not the coolest on. person. Yeah. But you're not all... even in the top two. No, yeah, maybe I might be the in the top two. three. But top three, but you're just your football yeah. knowledge and your history and the stories and everything that that's unbelievable. We're doing a podcast from the back of a big suburban like car. I don't know. Annie Granito's driving. She's a crazy woman. No, from Nicole Granito. Oh, sorry, Nicole Granito. Yeah. Annie Koblitz and Annie is Koblitz manning four from cameras Cleveland. right now. Two crazy ladies in front of us. Okay, we're trying to make this do in the third row of this. I think a Chevy Tahoe. Either way, it's gigantic. Yeah. Okay, we're. I'm taking part in the Peter King training camp tour, which is a special event for anybody who follows NFL football every year. I'm just honored to be a part of it. I got to spend the day with Peter in Cleveland today. He talked to Freddie Kitchens, Jarvis Landry. I got to talk to Odell Beckham Jr. All those things will come out. I'll tell you, the Beckham, Yeah, I, I could just tell when I saw you interacting with Beckham that that's a cool con- that's going to be a fun conversation hopefully most of his most of his press interactions are like you know he's trying to filter himself mostly sure I, I think we but we, I think you actually talk to him like a normal person I think we we had a normal yeah. conversation and the uh, best question you asked him you want to know what it was yeah go ahead let me hear it what's your second Best reception Catch. ever. You like that one? Yeah, I love that question. Damn, that was like I love you that hearing question. this. This is like getting complimented by yeah. Bill Belichick like about football. <laughs> about the play call. Yeah, no, I do love that. Complimenting Listen, my interview skills. That's yeah, big well, time. Man. It was very good. Very good. Um, either way, it was a great day. We're on our way. We're on the highway. We're going to Pittsburgh Steelers training camp, like I mentioned. First thing I want to do, hey, if you want to check us out, youtube.com slash NBC Sports. Other thing is, Peter King is truly NFL legend, okay, as far as media member, everybody he knows, and um, I forgot what my, oh, check out his podcast. Yeah, my podcast drops on Wednesday every week. This week, Darius Leonard, Indianapolis Colts. Love it. Jalen Ramsey of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
and five minutes with a writer, Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland Plain Dealer, talking about all things Browns. Cool yeah. pod. Awesome. And, and I, I pub it a lot. I don't know. I don't expect you, you to listen to my podcast, but I always I listen to your have podcast. One read you know what I about like you. about I'll tell you, I like here's what I like about your podcast. You converse with people. You really don't interview people. Thanks. You know, and that's why I that's what I think is really cool about that because most people in my business, you know, I've got a bunch of questions and I might go in a bunch of different directions, but I've got these questions and I listen to you do it and it's basically the conversation, which like with Aaron Rodgers, you know, shooting the breeze on a on a golf course with Aaron Rodgers. That is not and that's not Peter King sitting in a chair at Lambeau Field. You know, asking him his questions about X, Y, and Z. Well, I appreciate that. That's another great compliment. I'm gonna, man. I'm feeling good about myself here. But what I wouldn't we, feel too good. Okay, no, fine. Really. But either yeah. way, yeah. We may or may not be drinking some brewskis in the back of the car. Okay, the submarine rules in effect. No farting. No burping. None of that. Okay, the windows are up. We are truly. It's raining out. It was just coming down, and it. it uh, Nicole, who's driving, said, I almost messed up her name again, said, wow, we're driving through a shitstorm. And Peter brought some great insight in saying, man, wouldn't it be amazing to see a shitstorm? <laughs> and I thought that is that is very real. Wouldn't it be just, just interesting? Just shit falling yeah, out of the sky? Of the sky yeah. Well, you better have some serious <laughs> windshield wipers if you're driving in that storm. I'm just telling you. They better be like razor blades. Uh, learned a lot of great things through this, this trip. I mean, Peter smoked doobies with the Doobie Brothers. I think I that did. has to be no duly noted. I really did. In 1979, Athens, Ohio. Yep. I'm the managing editor of the Post at Ohio University. And I am assigned, I assigned myself to cover the Doobie Brothers concert in Athens. And afterwards, they invite me backstage to interview Michael McDonald, the Doobie Brothers. And there's a circle of people, and they're passing around a joint. So as Chris Sims noted... And everybody I've told this story to in my life, yes, indeed, I did smoke a doobie with the doobies. That is awesome. And you're not really a doobie smoker. No, I, yeah. I'm just not into. Yeah. I'm not into reefer because right. I just, I don't know. It, it, it gives me the fast heartbeat and the paranoia. Right. And, and that's this, how you know Peter is over listen, sixty because he still calls it reefer. Okay? This is, this <laughs> is really what you learn on the Chris Sims Unbutton podcast. Why Peter King doesn't smoke pot. <laughs> Hey, crazy we need enough. to get. Let's get Phil Sims on here. Oh. Phil, why don't you smoke pot, or why do you smoke pot? Let's Phil, have his pot history. Phil's like you. He's like you. Okay, and he, just like you, he calls it reefer too. So he sometimes does? I'll be at his house and I'll be smoking uh, on the back porch, and he will literally pop his head out the door and go, Christopher. What are you doing out here? You smoking that reefer? And I'm like, yes, Dad, I am. Thank you very much. That's good. I go love inside. how he calls you Christopher. Yeah, Christopher. That's yeah. that's what everybody in the family calls me. But either way, download the Peter King podcast. Check out this this training camp tour. It's unbelievable. Uh, Peter gets such great access, has great relationships all over, and that's what we're gonna do on this podcast today. I'm gonna just pepper questions about him. Good. We're gonna go first thought that comes to Peter King's head through the training camp tour, stop by stop. It's been pretty awesome. And that's where we're going to go right now. There, there are two bits of news in the NFL yeah. today, yeah. right? Uh, really three I'm going to bring up. One, okay, the first thing is I broke news today. Did you know that? You did? I did. I didn't. What did you say? Well, I, I, I found out about Antonio Brown's feet and okay. that 
the he got into a cryotherapy machine without yep. the proper footwear and that's basically what froze oh, the bottom of his feet. Oh, I see. And that's, that's what's what happened. The funny photos. Exactly right. So, yeah. uh, is I, it going to be a big deal? I, I don't know if it's. They don't seem to be concerned about it right now. But uh, I does think any it, team ever sit up and say, "Oh, we're concerned." We're concerned. No, no you're right. everybody says, "That's ah, no <laughs> yes. problem." Yes. Andrew Lucky's got a bad shoulder. Oh, <laughs> come on, he'll be in there next week. I mean, the whole year goes by and he's never there. Yeah, right. I, I so. I wouldn't trust that there's no concern. You're right. Anyway. Oh, and he's going to see foot specialists, so I think you're very true about that, and he's still yeah. gathering information, so they're probably a little more the concerned. The proverbial gathering yeah. information. Then they're, they're letting <laughs> on. It also means <laughs> that they're kind of crapping their pants. <laughs> yes. That's what it means, That's gathering code word. information. <laughs> see, this is what you learn from Peter King, okay? Yeah. This is why you download the Peter King podcast. He'll tell you all the NFL tell lingo all right the there. all the people in the NFL who are crapping their pants, yes. <laughs> yes, very good. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott today. Yeah. He makes the I'm not playing this year unless I get a new contract. Yeah. You know. Well, I honestly, yeah. Chris, I Go never ahead. thought I never thought he was playing. I, until I didn't he got either. The new contract. I didn't either. So, right. look, one of the problems with having nine thousand people covering the Dallas Cowboys, right, is that if they find out, if somebody finds out that there's such a proclamation, oh my God. Stop the presses. Every and I'm not. Hey, look. If I was covering the Dallas Cowboys, I'd be looking for that too. Sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not demeaning this. All I'm trying to say is, you know, it's August, whatever it is, seventh, eighth. I don't know what it is, but I've lost track. It's 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 all it's a it's a month away from the start of the season, and I don't give three craps until about two weeks before the season. If he's not there then, and there are lines drawn in the sand, yeah, and he's not getting it done, then you start to be concerned. But right now. I don't care. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think it's a big deal at this point at all. I think Ezekiel will get in shape. And, yeah, he gets there around preseason game three or four sometime after that. I think all will be well and fine. Now, this is the interesting part. Yeah. Uh, Steven Jones comes out today, you know, I guess is a little bit of a, a, a state of the union on the Cowboys and what they're thinking in the contract situation. He kind of makes a comment that Le'Veon Bell reset the market with his new contract, which was a little less money. Uh, I believe $10 million less guaranteed money than Todd Gurley got, and certainly less money on an average annual basis. Now, what are your thoughts about that? I'm like kind of still hashing this out in my, my brain altogether. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Stephen Jones on that comment. We're, I categorically agree with you Stephen do? Jones. You do? Okay. Every contract, you can't, you can't throw a contract out. You can't say now that Ezekiel Elliott should make what Le'Veon Bell is making. I, I'm not saying that, but you can't dismiss it. Okay. Because that is near the top of the running back market. Right. Here's the whole thing, Chris. Yeah. In 2018, there were the fewest rushing attempts in the NFL of any year this century. Yes. Running the football, while really, really important to the Dallas Cowboys, has diminished in importance to the rest of the league. So all I would say about all of this stuff is that it's posturing and all that, but the Dallas Cowboys have much more of a need for Ezekiel Elliott than, let's say, the Los Angeles Chargers have for Melvin Gordon. A hundred percent. Agreed with you there. And, and I, you know, the point you make about, yeah, the NFL is certainly a passing league. I am one, and people who listen to the podcast know that I do think we might see a little bit more balance as we go into the future because we're seeing teams like the Patriots and the Rams and the Saints who are successful, who are top all three or top six teams in the NFL and rushing the football to where right. I think you're going to see some more of that balance. But I think the point you make is exactly right. 
The Cowboys were built to run the football, right. so that's where he has great leverage. Now, as far as the setting the market thing, I think that's an interesting conversation. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, I, we both agree, he wants to be the highest paid running back in football. So he's not going to use the Le'Veon Bell contract to say, this is what I want more. I don't mind him being the highest paid running back right. in football. Right, me neither. But it's insane to say we're going to make whatever, $20 million a year when Le'Veon Bell just signed whatever his number was, 14 Right, 13 you know, and change, and look, I believe. Todd right. Gurley's contract, it's incorrect to say that the four years of new money is what you should judge his, his average on. Yes. He had two years left that he has to play at. So his contract, and I have to look it up. Yeah, I, I don't know. we're in the back of the car. Like, it's right. something like six years, $69 million. Yes, okay. So, I mean, that is the full contract, and that's what he should be judged by. Look, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, in my opinion, is the most important running back to a team in football. Yes. But that doesn't mean that he should be paid $20 million a year. I don't know what he'll make, but I have a, I pretty, I'm pretty confident they'll get it done. Yeah, I, I am too. I, you know, I don't know if I'm confident that it gets done right before week one. I could envision this maybe being a Emmitt Smith 1993, oh, we're going to play the Giants week one. The Giants had a lot of big people. The run game doesn't look good. All Maybe I the Cowboys start this. to panic I don't a little. Think, I don't think the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott at home to beat the New York Giants. I wouldn't think so one. either. I wouldn't so think so either. That may mean that Jerry Jones feels he can draw a harder line, but I, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's playing for the Cowboys this year. Yeah, okay. All right, so good. We got that. I, I do think the big thing for me with Ezekiel Elliott is, hey, yeah, it's going to be a contract extension. You're right. He still has another year left on in this contract. So it's going to be extended upon that. The guaranteed money is really the biggest. They're going to be right. the biggest issue. Hey, it's running back position. You get yourself killed playing that position, and you got to have some this security could be, or leverage. The reason that Ezekiel Elliott will drive such a hard bargain bargain is that Chris he knows that this could be the last big contract. Exactly right. This could be even it. Even though, even though, you know what's so funny about that? He's 24 years old. Right. But he knows that if this is the last contract he signs. He needs to get as much money Cash as possible. So I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't think what he's doing is stupid at all. No. I think what he's doing is, is business savvy. But I also think that let's say he signs for four years and has to play the last year of his deal. If that's the case, I don't see him making a jillion dollars when he's 29. No, I don't either. Especially the way he runs and plays. It's car crash after car crash. And I would think that father time yep. or the wear and tear will catch up with him pretty quick. All right, excuse me. I'm burping as we go here. All right. Uh, either way, uh, we just, we're just we leaving Cleveland. We're on our way to Pittsburgh Steelers training camp. Let's start, let's start the training camp talk right there, just why it's fresh in your mind. Yep. You've been to Cleveland a million times through the years. What jumped out to you today being there? Uh, certainly was different to me. I've only been here, maybe this is my third training camp here. Yeah. It's definitely a different vibe than the previous two that I was at. I think what is so interesting is that the rest of the league, the rest of the world is kind of doubting the hire of Freddie Kitchens, and I totally understand that. You know, he's just this guy who a year ago was kind of the last guy on the totem pole on the assistant coaching staff of the, of the Cleveland Browns. And, and honestly, you know, he, he was, I don't, I'm not saying he was lucky to have a job, but he Freddie, was fortunate Freddie to fall Kitchens. into the job. Yeah, Freddie right. Kitchens got hired by Todd Haley and uh, the offensive coordinator who knew him from Arizona and Hugh Jackson to be the running backs coach. Right. But 
but uh, you know he, he wanted took advantage to be, of it. And... He wanted to be a quarterback coach and he wanted to be an offensive coordinator, but right. that wasn't available last right. year. So, I think um, Chris, what is interesting about Kitchens right now, very interesting, is that I think people have the wrong idea about him. Number one. Um, I do think that he has the ability to step on a player's throat. I do, too. I'm with you there. He's a tough guy. Right. And I also think a lot of people look at him. He's got the Southern drawl. He's an Alabama kid, former Alabama quarterback. Right. And everybody thinks, oh, Freddie Kitchens, he's going to run the wishbone. You know, or something. But that isn't what Freddie Kitchens is. That isn't who he is. He is, and, and I may be proven wrong, I think he's in the top third of imaginative offensive play callers in the NFL. Look what he did last year. Exactly right. You know, I think his second or third game as the offensive coordinator, they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. And he comes out three consecutive plays of the weirdest formation I saw all last year. And that is quarterback and shotgun and a bunch of three running backs. Right. Three running backs in the backfield. And he ran for, I'm going to say, seven nine and 18 yards in the three snaps that they ran it against Atlanta. Because when you do that, Chris, having played, you know that when you do that, people just say, oh my God, that's bizarre. Right. We don't, we don't know how to defend that. And so that that's to the benefit of Freddie Kitchens. And he did a bunch of stuff. We were talking before he ran a lot of 13 personnel last right. year. One back, and, three tight ends for everybody you know, out there. And, and just to think about this, okay, this is a team that even last year, they didn't have great tight end talent, but he just said, I'm going to play 13 personnel. I'm going to put three tight ends on the field. You decide how you want to cover that's that. That's right. We don't know what you're going to do. And, and that's one of the things that I like about Freddie Kitchens. Honestly, a lot of the things that he calls Chris... He understands that he knows right now that there's absolutely no way that a lot of people are going to understand what it is that he wants to do. Yeah. And so that is the reason why, in my opinion, that's the reason why he is, uh, I think right now, he is a totally, totally underrated play caller. I'm with you, Peter. I really am. I mean, the, the proof's in the pudding from what they did, the transformation from when he took over. Also, I think you bring up a really good point about him being from Alabama, and I think people look at him, and he's got this likable smile, okay? He's a little chubby, knows his respect, Freddie. You know you're my guy, okay? But they think he's, like, not a maybe a, a, a tough SOB or has yeah. the mentality. But you said it. I think he is totally capable of stepping on yeah. somebody's throw when he needs to. Saw a little inkling of that this week when ex-offensive line coach Bob Wiley made a few comments. He wasn't certainly afraid to address the situation, didn't back down from it. I like that. You talk about the running or the running aspect of the football team. Hey, coaches that are tough uh, usually kind of instill that toughness in their team through the run game. I think that says something about him. So I'm with you there. Uh, I, I really think this is going to be success. And for everybody to go, oh, he lucked into this job. Okay, maybe he lucked into it. But when he got it, he took it over and did what, what, won what, five out of the last seven football games yeah, for yeah. a team that really hasn't been crap for a long time. So I'm with you. I think that's the one thing that jumped out Plus to me. the other thing, Chris, look, right. those players like no doubt. They like Freddie Kitchens because he basically goes in and he says, Here, here's what we're going to do. What do you think? And he listens to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. He listens to Jarvis Landry. And I think, honestly, I think I don't know how the Odell experiment is going to work, but I do think that it's unlikely 
that Pat Shermer and Eli Manning said to Odell, what do you like, what do you want to do? I agree. And and so I think that, look, the one thing is he wants to have sort of pride of ownership in what it is they do on offense, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I do think, I don't, <clears throat> look, I'm not positive I like the Browns. Obviously, they're better than they've been in a long time. But, right. you know, how much will they miss Zeitler on the offensive line? Are they going to be a little bit weak up front? They might be. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm not sure that they have, you know, sort of the defensive impact players all over the board uh, to be a great defense. And especially in the AFC North, you're going to have to win some games 19 to 13. Yes. And so I, you know, I still have a lot of questions about the Browns. No question. They're the best they've been in a while, but right. I, I'm questioning them just like a lot of people are. Yeah, I, I get that. You're right. It's They're an unproven commodity, yeah. and they're putting a lot of pressure on that defensive line with Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett, because, yeah, you're right, the linebacking core, certainly not household names. Safety position, not household names. Young corners and Denzel Ward I mean, to get, and Greedy Williams. To and, get, to get, yeah. and look, I, I, I hear nothing but good things about Greedy Williams. Yeah. Obviously, Denzel Ward was a top five defensive rookie of the year candidate last year. But, you know, and, and I, I like Olivier Vernon. I really do. I'm, I think that was a, a good pickup. But, again, that is a classic trade that, okay, the Giants had to have uh, Zeitler. They had to have uh, upgrades on the offensive line. And, and so did the Browns. The Browns needed another pass rusher. But I'll tell you, did they wound themselves too much in one spot on the field? Yeah, maybe. I know Zeitler is a, he's an alpha, controls yeah. the room, one of those guys. So you lose that leadership. But, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. Either way, we both agree that the aura around Cleveland is different than we've ever seen. Yep. And I got a chance to talk to Odell Beckham Jr. I know you talked to Jarvis Landry. Hopefully that will be out on the podcast next week. But I can just say, talking to Jarvis and Odell, they seem extremely positive about everything that's going on. The offense, Baker Mayfield. So those are all good signs. All right, let's go on. Let's start at back at the start of your training camp tour. Yeah. All right. First stop, Denver Broncos. What's the first thing that pops to your mind when you think about the Broncos? That the greatest thing that John Elway did uh, since he signed Peyton Manning is bring Vic Fangio. Okay. On. Because Vic Fangio is. He's sort of the anti-Vance uh, Joseph. It's not that Vance Joseph is either bad coach, bad guy, but the fact is, you know, he really didn't have a great sense of game management. And he also was not a huge fundamental guy. Uh, Vic Fangio has totally, totally emphasized fundamentals. I think right now he's going to make uh, – I, I, I think Von Miller might get fewer sacks. He might have an 11 or 12 sack season, but – He'll be a better football player than he was last year because he's going to be a more complete player than he was last right. year. Put on weight, wants to be able to take on the run <laughs> he, better. And yeah, he wants to play the run better. And yeah. also, you know, it was funny when I was there. Fangio was talking to me about, you know, you know, I'm I'm a sports writer. Why are you dropping Von Miller into coverage? What's that? And his whole thing is, I want him to be a complete player. You know, Khalil Mack dropped into coverage. Right. So you don't want to have your best pass, ru pass rusher doing the exact same thing every time. No, you're right. And that's, that's his point. But I guess I would say my biggest question is, I think the offensive line is an issue. Garrett Bowles at left, uh, on the left side right. is, a, is a big issue. And plus, you know, when's the last time consistently that Joe Flacco's played great? No, you're a right. A long time. Big so questions, yep. That's, and Drew Luck, the day I was there, he was awful. 
but so I, I would just say that I like the path that Denver is on, but I do not believe that path will lead to the postseason this year. Okay. All right. Now, you leave Denver. You made a stop in Las Vegas. I did. You got to see the new stadium. Just real quickly, what was that like? Uh, anything that jumped out to you there? Well, the, the interesting thing about the stadium is how close to everything in the city it's going to be. Like, you could you could be at, and I and I don't know Vegas well, but a hotel like the MGM Grand, the let's Bellagio say, or yeah, whatever, right? you could be at some of the big hotels right. and take a 15 minute stroll and walk into the stadium. Wow. there. It, it, you know, you're not going to have to. It's not going to be uh, a logistical nightmare, and that's one of the reasons why they wanted the, the the stadium right on the Strip. And look, the big question that a lot of people are asking is, is it going to be ready for opening day 2020? Raiders insist yes. We got a tour. Uh, the project manager said absolutely unequivocally it's going to be ready. I know What's nothing your about No. I, I guess it will be, but, yeah. I mean, they got a long way to go. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. So, But I'll tell you what was interesting, speaking of construction – they look have, good in a hard hat, by the way. You look good. Thank in you. Yeah. They had they had they had two shifts. One of them starts at 5:30 a.m. and runs till about two. Right. And the other one starts at 4:30 p.m. And the funny thing, funny thing is, but you know, it's 109 degrees in Vegas during the day. Yeah. You cannot pour concrete during the day. The only time you can pour concrete is at night. It's so hot. It yeah, it's so it hot. It wouldn't hard. set. It wow. wouldn't set. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a beautiful place. The interesting thing that the networks will harp on is in the end zone, there's going to be like a 150-foot torch that is going to a 150-foot stand and then a torch at the top, and that's going to be the Al Davis Memorial Torch. That's how they're going to honor Al. All right, that's cool. Yep. You okay up there? Are we good? Yeah. We still good? All right, just wanted to make sure. I'm checking out the girls. You're going to light us differently? We're getting too dark out here. Us, us two extremely white people are getting dark in the back of this want, car. Annie, do you want my phone to uh, to use for the thing? Good. All right. All right. Next. You go from Vegas to the Jets, 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 which right. is another team that seems like it has a completely different positive vibe. Yeah. Here's here's the thing about the Jets. All right. I. And I fall in love with, or I, I understand the, the falling in love with Le'Veon Bell. Yep. I totally get that. But my biggest problem is, you know, their offensive line is not good. Yeah. And Le'Veon Bell goes from Pittsburgh where he had a top three offensive line and maybe the best uh, offensive line coach in Mike Munchak right. in all of football. Right. So they go from that to the Jets that – is one of the bottom offensive lines. And, you know, I, I sort of chuckled the other day when, you know, when they signed uh, Ryan Khalil, uh, yeah, formerly of the out Panthers. Of, out of retirement. Yeah, they took him out of retirement. And, you know, the last two years he's not been a good player. No. And, uh, you know, especially last year, he was a lower-rated player than the, the, the Jets' scheduled uh, starter, Jonathan Harrison. So, anyway, look, I – it's just I, a big question mark for it's you. It's a big question. And, look, I like a lot. I like um, Le'Veon Bell. And I think he's going to be good. Yeah. 
but there's certainly no guarantees with that offensive line. No, it's, it's, that's uh, unproven at this point. And uh, the, the Jets signed uh, or traded for Alex Lewis yesterday, who was yeah. going to be released by the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe he can help them out. He was, when, when healthy, he played good for Baltimore. Yeah. But yeah. it's been a lot of injuries over the last two years, so we'll see where that goes. Okay, speaking of Baltimore, that was the next, the next yep. stop on the trip. Uh, Baltimore, to me, is one of the most intriguing teams in I football totally this year. Agree. Right? I love that team. I love, I love the intrigue of that team. Yes, right? I mean, they got a lot of big dudes on both sides of the football. You know they're going to win battles up front. But I think the big thing is Lamar Jackson, this new offense, and if they can't run the ball, will they be able to rely on the pass game? That's just my two cents. I totally agree, Chris. I'll tell you, <clears throat> I, I, think, I think people – so they say, oh, you've been to every training camp. Who do you like? What did you see and everything? Look, especially the way teams practice now, Yes. we don't see much at all. No. Okay, even when teams have pads on. But I'm going to say something here. One of the biggest memories of this trip for me so far has been exactly what happened when Lamar Jackson took the ball and he ran out of the pocket. Because remember, last year he's running the ball 14, 16, 18 times a game. Right. And no one is going to last forever in the NFL like that. So here's what I noticed. Lamar Jackson taking off either to the right, to the right or the left and stopping at the line of scrimmage and finding somebody to throw to. Very rarely did he break the plane of the, of the line and keep going. So he attacked the line of scrimmage, yes. drew people up yes. like a basketball yes. point That's guard almost. precisely. And then found somebody That's to throw That's what he was to. doing. Right. My feeling is... Lamar Jackson's rushing attempts per game are going to be cut in half. Okay. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the biggest factor in that team is going to be their tight end position, which is strong. Deep, right? And and to me, okay, when you look at all the tight ends they have in camp, who they really like, John Harbaugh likes and, and their offensive staff really likes, they are going to bring those guys in in waves. And my feeling is you're going to see, instead of, you know, the seven-yard uh, sprint out, you know, by Lamar Jackson, yeah. he's going to sprint out, draw attention to him, right. find the tight end and the intermediate receivers, and try to get seven to 12 yards. Okay. All right. So, like, a little bit like the college play where you see quarterbacks run sometimes. They keep yeah, it on the read when, option, and then they throw the bubble screen to the receiver. Well, and about to get I hit. mean, you know, and this is not going to be this way, but remember when Tim Tebow, sure. you know, he would go back, and then he'd go toward the line, and he'd give them the yeah, jump pass. Yeah, yeah. That's not this, right, but, but all I'm saying is the the effect is the gotcha, same. Got you, got you. All right, that's a good that's a good picture you painted yeah. there, right there. All right, next up, the Philadelphia Eagles, where, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about them, but I certainly think they're one of the best teams in the yeah. NFC. Also intriguing because of the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, whole situation there. You know what's interesting? Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. two. Let's talk quarterbacks. Right. Okay? Yeah. Everybody will laugh at me for saying this. And but I firmly believe this. One of the ten most important players on this, the Philadelphia Eagles this year, is Nate Sudfeld. Oh. And you say, well, what the hell are you talking about? This seventh round pick from Indiana, whatever. I mean, he's not he's not great. Nick Foles has suffered significant injuries, season-ending injuries. Wentz. Or I'm sorry, yeah, you're Carson good. Wentz All good. Has suffered season-ending injuries each of the last two seasons. Right. Early in December. Yeah. Okay. So, I will never forget, Chris, you're too young for the, too young to remember this, obviously, but 
your father. Yeah. The first two or three years in the league, right. people saying, "Oh, Sims is injury prone." You know, Phil Sims playing for the Giants. Yeah. He would he would get hurt a lot, and and so and Bill Parcells never bought it. I think he was hurt like four of the first five seasons yeah, in correct. the NFL. Yes. And so everybody said, "Ah, oh, Sims is injury prone. He's not going to be able to last." Well, starting in either year six, I think year 84 six. 84 was his first breakout year, which is and, like year five, basically. And right. for the rest of his career, there's only one time where he was significantly injured. Right. So he played like the next decade, and he was an Iron Man. Yeah. But, but anyway, the only point that I'm making about this is that I get the fact that, that defenders cannot attack quarterbacks very much anymore and that – you would think that Carson Wentz, who had a couple of fluke injuries, you would think he'd be okay. Right. You really would. But I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Nobody knows. And I, I, w- I, would, I would just say this, that Carson Wentz, uh, I agree with them signing him. I totally get them signing him for big money. And he looked really, really different than he did a year ago. A year ago, I really sensed he was like the tortoise in the shell. Right. He was really protecting himself. This year, uh, he's out doing everything. He was, you know, there's 90 guys on the roster. He was either the fifth or sixth guy out to practice, like 45 minutes before practice started. And he's doing the yoga stretches. He's doing everything. And he just, I think, I think it's going to be a really good year for Carson Wentz. Yeah, you do. I, I agree. I think he's one of those guys on the short list where I'd say watch out for an MVP candidate. Right. We always know it's a quarterback on a really good team. But you don't see any let, let you know, uh, what do I want to say, you know, let, or, uh, let down. Let down. That's exactly the word I was looking for from the Eagles. You think the, the vibes are positive. They still believe they're a really I good think, football I team, think, right? You know, Doug Peterson told me a great story yeah. that they got murdered in New Orleans in November, yeah. like 48 to 7, seven or yeah. something. They got killed. Right. And then they came back and played them in the playoffs and played well, and that's because, I mean, Doug Peterson uses that as his sort of example of not only didn't we give up, but we had this mantra of we're going to continue to get better, and they did. Their biggest problem, Doug Peterson admitted to me, I let up during training camp last year. We had a very soft training camp right. because we had a short off season. Sure, one of the, of the Super Bowl, Bowl, right. We had a short off season, but I think he felt like, I can't do that. Yeah. I have to coach this team. <laughs> if I think we need a tough, hard-hitting training camp, I don't care if we had a month less uh, rest in the off season. I got to be me. I got to do that. So that's what they're back to. Yeah, good. I, I, I mean, I expect the Eagles to be in the conversation for one of the better teams in football all year long. Yep. Uh, I think they're a little rejuvenated. And, and after the Super Bowl hangover last year and the slow start, yeah, I, I could totally see that. Carolina Panthers, another one. You know, Cam Newton, shoulder, changed throwing motion, got off to such a great start last year. I'm a believer in Carolina. I don't know if I'm going to go on a limb right yet and say they're on the pl- Chris, going I'm, playoffs. I'm, I'm a believer in You're Carolina. a believer. You're, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, there's two yeah, reasons right. why. So you know how, I mean, look, you don't, you don't go to camps the way I do, but I'm sure you have the same sort of feeling like when you leave one of your training camps, you know, when you were a player, you had a feeling about yes. your team. So there's two things I found very interesting. One is that Christian McCaffrey – practices just like Jerry Rice used to in that it is a dog day of training camp practice and everybody is just slogging through and he's Christian McCaffrey is playing like it's the Super Bowl yeah yeah that he fascinates me 
because he just he really is uh, he plays every play like it's his last. Right. And that's the one thing I saw. But here's the other thing I saw. You go out to practice, you look at practice, and you know you don't really you kind of forget in the off season what happened, and then you get the roster and you look. I said, "Holy crap! I forgot." There's Gerald McCoy. Yeah. And oh my God, there's Don Terry Poe. Right. I mean, imagine just casually adding Gerald McCoy and Don <laughs> Terry Poe. It's just you know those are two of the twenty best interior defensive linemen in football. Right. So I guess I look at. The Panthers is saying they're kind of unexpected. I don't like their secondary. Yeah. I don't love their pass rush right now. Right. But Brian Burns. Right. First round pick Mar- from Florida yeah. State. Mario yeah. Addison. Right. And and also Bruce Irvin. Yeah. And so I I don't know what to think of their pass rush. Yeah. But there's potential. Very, there's potential. Yeah. I don't like the offensive line. I love Curtis Samuel and. You know, hey, look, I had a well-publicized uh, interview and conversation with, with with Cam Newton, and I feel pretty strongly that he might believe what he's saying when he says to me, I'm okay with not being Superman anymore. Okay. You know? All right. So you think he's going to look to maybe play with a different style? Yes. And I think he's happy. Apart Chris, in the pocket? Chris, yeah. last year. Right. He threw the Carolina Panthers targeted Christian McCaffrey 123 times. Right. And he caught 106. Yeah. So everybody says, oh my God, Cam Newton's completion percentage so high, it was way up there. And I just say, well, no wonder. He's he completed 90% of his dump offs. Yeah, sure. And those count. They do know? count. Yeah. They do count. And, and listen, if there was one thing that I would ever be negative about through Cam Newton's career is he is too aggressive. Yeah. Sits in the pocket right. too long, takes sacks that are unnecessary, yeah. tries to force a 25-yard laser right. down the field where you yeah. go, please throw it underneath the Curtis Samuel. I, I, you know, yes, offensive line concerns, real. They got some young guys that they drafted. Hopefully they can contribute. Yeah, but Carolina, I got to hash it out in my own brain because I do look at them as one of those teams that go – I got a little mark next to them to go. They could be one of those teams that jumps out of everybody last yep. year. And you know, you just can't forget that they started out what, 6 and 2 last year before they yep. fell off with yep. Cam's injury and all and that. And remember, Cam Newton by the time he got hurt. This is <laughs> Cam Newton's when he got hurt last year. You enter the season, his career completion percentage was 59.3. When he got hurt in like the last game of November, first game of December, I forget. But when he got hurt, he was completing 69.5%. Wow. So, yep. you know, I mean, just it, it, he he is buying what Norv Turner's selling right, right now. Right, so, Yeah. All right. Atlanta Falcons. I, I mean, another team with a ton of top-end talent, some unproven commodities. Dan Quinn is going to go back to calling the yep. defensive plays. Dirk Cutter is the new offensive coordinator there with Mike Malarkey. Uh you know what's really strange? You what? know what I, I, I found strange? Right. On their offensive coaching staff, basically, Dan Quinn has handed the offense to that staff. That's right. what he's done. Okay. And on that offensive coaching staff, you've got three recent yes. head coaches. Right. Raheem Morris. Right. Uh, and, and, Dirk and, Cutter and, and Dirk Cutter. And Malarkey. And Mike Malarkey. Right. And, and I just get this impression Right now, first of all, Matt Ryan is really happy that he's got Dirk Cutter back. You know, he had him very early in his career, yep. and he's happy he has him back. I I really think 
that the biggest thing with this team when I left there is, you know, they got an excellent push defensive tackle in Grady Jarrett. Right. Uh, they get Adrian Claiborne back, very underrated return from New England. Right. I think he could give Mater 10 sacks. But I'm just not sure I trust their pressure people up front. Right, to Karis McKinley, some yeah, of those guys I who mean, haven't turned we out haven't yet. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it right. yet. And, and, and I think also the one really interesting thing, Dan Quinn took us up in his office, and he showed us tape that was so cool. He showed us tape, and we're going to show it, um, you know, online on our NFL Game Pass promotion. But he showed us tape of Deion Jones two years ago, sideline to sideline, deep in coverage, right. all this stuff. And I just said, my gosh, having Deion Jones back is like getting Bobby Wagner back or from no an injury. Question. Or, Same or defensive scheme. Or right. Luke Keekley. Right. I mean, and, and I think what, what happened with that team is that they just never learned to play without Deion Jones last year. Suffered a foot injury in the first game of right. the year against Philadelphia. Lost their Cam Chancellor and Keon O'Neill last right. year, too. They were right. ravaged by injuries. Yeah. 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 So, I look, the NFC South is an incredibly interesting division. And I can't predict it. I probably would pick New Orleans, but tell you those other three teams are pretty good yeah they're all on the rise and speaking of the other three teams that's where we're going tampa yep. the bruce arians era underway i mean one of my favorite coaches i'm sure he gave you a lot of colorful colorful commentary as he always does you know chris one of the interesting things about going to camp you hang around you just are having sidebar conversations with people you meet somebody in the hall you haven't seen in a couple yeah, of years right. they say hey and you talk and you shoot the crap with coaches on the field and and all that but i heard he said one of these guys told me he said listen ask bruce what he said to the coaches in his first coaching staff meeting right so sitting there in bruce's office right i said hey bruce what did you say to your coaches in the first meeting and he said oh you mean about the kids and i said yeah and he goes I told my coaches if they ever missed a recital, a football game, any other kid event, and I found out about it, I'd fire them. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you know, you talk about Annie and Nicole who were traveling with. Yeah. I am not Joe, social media, what thing is going to light the media on right. the world on fire. But we go out of there and and – Annie Koblitz, uh, our videographer on this trip, her eyes are like saucers. She's saying, oh, my God, that was really, really good. And she's already envisioning us putting this online and yeah. getting X number of, of, of hits on Twitter and everything. And I think we ended up, I don't know, 570,000 or whatever. But Bruce Arians is going to say that stuff. He's going to say exactly what he feels. He doesn't care. This is his last shot. He knows. Chris, actually, I'm shocked he's coaching this team right now. I am, too. I, never, I thought he I was never, done. I never thought he, he would coach again. But right. <laughs> here's the one interesting thing that I saw there. You will really appreciate this. Yeah. Okay? So, you go out to practice, and I had read a story by Rick Stroud of the St. Pete Times. Sure. Long-time beat Big guy Big-time there. writer down there, yeah. And I had read this thing, and he wrote about um, – you know about Devin White, the first pick, fifth pick in the draft, middle linebacker, you know, inside guy. Right. And and so uh, he he basically you know he said, hey, kind of interesting. He's got the uh, he's got the green dot on his helmet. 
And so I go out there and I look, and sure enough, <coughs> Devin White has the green dot on his helmet. I look up his bio. Yeah. I'm standing there on the sidelines of practice. I don't have a media guide. I look up his bio on Wikipedia. The guy just turned 21 years old. And I said, so after practice, that was going to be my question. And I went to Devin White, and I said to him, before we mic'd him up and everything, I said, you know, you got the green dot on your helmet. He says, yeah, yeah. He said, a bunch of people making a big deal about that. I don't know why. I said, <laughs> dude, dude, you're the youngest guy on this team. Yeah. And right now, Todd Bowles, who is a veteran's veteran coach. Right. Todd Bowles has handed you the authority to call the defense. Says a lot. And to be the guy <coughs> who, if we need to get so-and-so in the right spot, hey, make sure you tell this guy this, make sure you tell this guy that. Right. And – and I just thought it was absolutely tremendous and a great sign um, that they love Devin White. And you think Arians will change the fortunes of Jameis Winston? Gut That's the biggest there? question. Yeah. I think it's not only Arians, Chris. It's Byron Leftwich. Yeah, right. Leftwich is total, absolute hands-on. Right. And, you know, Dirk Cutter stressed every day, stop forcing throws. Arians, you'll appreciate this as a quarterback, okay? Bruce Arians sidled up to Jameis Winston one day in practice, and he said, listen, let's take your 30, like, worst decisions last year and and let instead of saying that you're going to force this ball downfield, right. let's throw a check down, all right? So let's give you an extra 300 yards on your stats at the end of the year, and let's take away yeah. the 300 crappy plays with interceptions and bad decisions and everything. So not only are you know you you basically adding a few yards, you're at you're then subtracting a lot of yards that you screwed up yeah, on. Yeah, sure, right. You know, so it's Arians, I think, is making Jameis Winston understand that he's got to stop being so careless. Right. I, I just I, Bruce Arians is one of those guys I look at now that I'm way out of my playing career where I go, man. I wish I could have played for him. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. my kind of guy, I think, yep. uh, right up my alley. Now, you go down to Miami after this. Miami is a team in total rebuild mode. It doesn't yep. matter what they say. It was really one of the, the more poorer rosters in all of football. Brian Flores coming from New England, a guy I have great respect for. Yep. Uh, I worked with him up in New England, know him a little bit. What would you think of him? Well, tell, me, tell me what you thought. Sure, he's a no-nonsense guy. Right. Uh, he really is knows football up and down. So not only can he bring you know toughness and culture change to your team, but of course being in New England, and this is where I think guys like Patricia and Flores will thrive maybe more than we've seen other Belichick disciples thrive, just because they got to see from the bottom of the top how New England works. Yeah. So they have a full understanding of what makes a successful organization where I've said this before on my podcast, guys like Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, yeah, well, they were Parcells guys, right. and they just coached for Belichick. They yeah. didn't get to really see the greatness in its totality of what Belichick built in New England, and I think that's where it's different. So I am a believer. You know what is it. interesting yeah. about that, Chris? Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be a good football team at no, all. I wouldn't think so. They're going to win three games, maybe four. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But, but, you know, the important thing for their team this year right now is that Brian Flores has got to emphasize how they're going to play football. And the day I was there, Miami, late July, yeah, stupidly, ridiculously hot. Oh. They practiced for two and a half hours. Woo. 
and it was just it was tough it was yeah. tough but my my only thing about about the dolphins right now when i think about them i just think that what they have to do is start getting their minds right for 2020 right and you know there's no shame in saying okay we got a lot of things we need to fix the most important job that we have this year the single most important job is to give josh rosen five or six games to say do we want him even in competition yeah. with the guy we drafted right. in 2020 right. so we'll see yeah I, I think that's exactly right and you know for all those out there who go oh ryan fitzpatrick well, you're already seeing Josh Rosen's caught himself up in the quarterback competition. Yep. And even if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts early in the year, I mean, it doesn't matter. Josh Rosen's got to get yeah, exactly right. Who cares? He's going to get a chance. And, and I don't mean that. Who cares? I, I love Ryan no, Fitzpatrick. No, I know what you mean. And but, I, but I mean, you know, you know he's not the future. Right. There's no sense. Yes. Look, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I think will be utterly ridiculous. If... Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing okay. Yeah. And they just and they keep Stay playing him week after That's week. That's a waste. Why? That'll be a waste Why? of 2019, Why? like you're saying. Right. It's dumb. That's not building for 2020. Yep. Agreed there. they got to figure out what Josh Rosen How about, is at hey, some point. Hey, one other thing about yeah. Fitzpatrick that yeah. was funny. Right. He is in really mid-season beer, beard mode. Oh, my gosh. And when he? we met with him after practice, he said, I just cut my beard. I mean, he looks like a 10-year lumberjack beard. <laughs> and he said, I just cut it. It uh, was it was kind of insane. Yeah, anyway. it is insane. Uh, his yeah, he, he it's insane. It is <laughs> all right. So now we go from Miami, which we all agree is rebuilding, not a great roster. Brian Flores, hopefully he can change the culture there, to a team that I really got my eye on. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team right. that I'm just going to state my thought on them real quick before yeah. I get to you. I really expect them to be one of the teams with the biggest turnaround of football this year. They were five and eleven last year. I think they're much more talented than the 5-11 and 11 record. Uh, I think they made the appropriate changes with some of the roster moves, and, of course, the biggest one being Nick Foles. And they were injured a lot last year, too. I think people forget that, too. It's one of those things where you go back and look at yeah. Jacksonville's year and you go, oh, man, they really did have the injury bug. But I, I, am, I am picking the Jaguars to go to the playoffs. I already know that. I don't know where or how far I'm going to pick them to go. But I think the big thing yeah, with the Jags go. is, okay, Foles, Everybody loves Nick Foles, yes. and I am one of them. I think he's one of the coolest guys in the league. I think he's he's one of the best teammates in the league. Seems I think like I think he's great. Yeah. Um, but just remember, Nick Foles has basically been, you know, uh, Dylan Betances in the last couple of years. He comes in in the seventh inning and he pitches an inning or two. Yes. And then that's it, and everybody loves him. That's well, a different style. Could we yeah, please? Right. Could we please see Nick Foles? play 16 games and then win a couple of playoff games. And I'm not saying he can't do it. Yeah. I'm just saying he hasn't done it. No, I know. So <clears throat> maybe he'll do it. And look, I I believe that he is a he is one of the best things that could have happened to this team because early on in their thing, Chris, you know what is interesting about training camp when you're there watching a practice? Yeah. I I oftentimes will watch the quarterback and how he be a, a new quarterback, how he behaves on the field and everything. And what would happen is that so uh, he he would uh, you know you would see uh, Nick Foles throw a ball to D.D. Westbrook, let's say, and then after the after the play, Westbrook comes back to the huddle. This was with rookies, established guys, everybody, and he come back to the huddle, and Foles would spend like forty seconds with him, you know, going over every little nook and cranny of right. the play, and I just said. That's a veteran move right there. Yeah. That is a veteran move because he wants everybody on his team to know 
I'm there for you. I'm learning you. And I'm not taking anything for granted. We are doing everything from scratch. I kind of like what I saw in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I saw that from Baker Mayfield today, and I think it's a yeah. very valid point by you. Yeah, Jacksonville, do you think they overcome some of the immaturity they showed last year? Leonard hey, look, Fournette, the here's the thing. Issues, you, know, all you, that stuff? you ask a really good question, but who's the who are the two guys on that team who have shown signs of immaturity? Leonard Fournette and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. But Leonard Fournette, this is it. Right. This is the last chance saloon for Leonard Fournette to get a gigantic contract. Right. And Jalen Ramsey wants really big money. He has to play great this year. Right. Leonard Fournette has to run great, and he's got to basically just shut up. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he's got to go out. He, I mean, Leonard Fournette is a big dude. Oh. He's a big Greek dude, God, and right? he is he is a punishing runner. Yes. But but so I looked at that and I said. Everything you say is right. Those guys have to be in good form. This team isn't going to be very good, but there's a lot riding on them being in good form. Yeah. Were they when you were there? Were they in full pads yet, doing that, hitting each other? Yes. Yeah. But the day I was there, I think uh, one of the things Doug Marone has done this year is that he has said, "I'm going to run a pretty I don't soft is the wrong word. I'm going to run a camp that doesn't hit as much as I did last in year years because past. Okay. because." I, I've gotten a lot of guys hurt, and I just can't afford to get these guys hurt. So although they were in pads, and it was 9,000 degrees, and we felt like we were in the second circle of hell right. in Jacksonville because it is an unbelievably brutal place. It feels like when you're standing on the sidelines in, in Jacksonville, and I forget if it was either Annie or Nicole who were with me. They said, it feels like they have stuck us in an oven and put it on the broiler and that we are never going to get out of here for the rest of our lives. Uh, yeah. And it's, in other words, it's warm. <laughs> and so, you know what? Calais Campbell came over and did an interview with us, and it was one of the funniest things you've ever seen. He puts the, Annie puts the, uh, the little uh, microphone on the outside of his thing, and, and already he's soaking wet. And so he basically at one point i looked down chris and i had to move away from him like about a half a foot he's dripping because, on Annie? no because i looked down at my beautiful asic sneakers and the front of the sneakers are soaking wet because he has dripped Calais Campbell's sweat uh. all over my sneakers. Uh. And it wasn't just dripping. It was like a faucet yeah. turned on high. Oh, gosh, and yeah. that's what it is, the Florida training camp in the summer. Oh, gosh, don't even remind me. <laughs> I mean, I did it. Orlando, it was torture. I don't even know how I did it. I mean, it just it is. It's unbelievable training camp down in Florida. Uh, uh, all right, so you, you're expecting a turnaround nonetheless I, I like the Jags. Yeah, yeah okay, no you're, you're with me. You're yep. there. Okay, now the next one. The New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton. And, by the way, Peter King Podcast, download that. He's got Jalen Ramsey, as we were just talking about the Jaguars, coming up this week. That's going to be cool. And Darius Leonard, who yeah. is a rookie linebacker, all pro as a rookie. That's insane. I know nothing about him. I'm truly going to just turn in or tune in. You the, need the to pod. listen to this yeah, because I want to. he is an interesting, interesting guy. Right. Very, He's very serious. And he wants to be great. He wants to be what Harry Carson was to the Giants. Okay. Another South Carolina State linebacker. Right, right. I I really – one of the great things, man, I love – I mean, I never met Darius Leonard in my life. And we sat there for a half hour, and we learned all about his life. Yeah. And I just – I really enjoy that about this time of year. Yeah, all right. Yeah. That's, that's something to tune into. Now, we go to the New Orleans Saints yep. next. New Orleans, you know, my gut – 
and I say this on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio, all that, is that I just think a human letdown is there. I'm not saying they get knocked out of the playoffs. I'm just not sure they're going to be a number one or number two seed in the NFC this year, I guess is what I'm saying. A lot to overcome the last yep. two years, what they've had to deal with, bad calls, Minnesota miracle, all of that. What was the vibe of Peyton and Drew Brees at, at training camp? You know, Chris, I sometimes I think that stuff about – look, I said this to Cameron Jordan, their great defensive end. I said, you know, not only did you guys have a horrible loss last year, but I said, think about it. The NFL has been alive for like 100 years, and you might have had two of the five or six or eight worst playoff losses Seriously? ever. Because the last two years, imagine losing the, the game the, the way they oh, lost in in, uh, in Minnesota, and then they lose the way they did last year. This this team ought to be shriveling up in the corner and uh, and going, uh, you know. And Calling just, for just mommy. Giving up. Right. And, but you know what, Chris? You will appreciate this, I think. And I'm just going to bring a very old story to the fore. I will never forget going to Fredonia, New York, after the Buffalo Bills lost their fourth Super Bowl. And uh, and everybody and, – and the national media was going to Buffalo camp and painting this picture of these guys who were – you know, who, who had totally given up on life and, right. and all this. And I asked Jim Kelly at that training camp, I said, Jim, do you ever think, man, maybe I should just do something else? I mean, this is so incredibly frustrating. I can't get over the hump. And he looked at me like I had four heads. And he basically said, listen, I've been playing football since I was a kid. I will play football till I'm 95 years old if I can. They have to drag me off the field. I love football. And, you know, don't forget, we won the AFC four years in a row. Okay? We never got it done. I'm not giving up this thing I love, especially when we win a lot of games every year. I mean, I love doing what I do and all this. And I found it so interesting that a lot of us out here in the world just basically think, oh, my God, if you have horrible losses, you know, you, you basically put your head in your hands and you don't try anymore. Right. And – I'll t I'll say this about the Saints, I uh, I just think that they have a chance this year to go very very far because we all know if you have Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and Michael uh -huh. Thomas, you are going to average thirty points a game unless quite literally the bus is hijacked on the yeah. way to the stadium, right. and so this is all about the defense. This is all about. Marshawn Lattimore being a shutdown guy. This is all about how they can pressure the passer and, and all this. So but you felt that was the overall vibe of the camp, yes, too, a little more I don't pressure think, on the D? I, yeah, and, and Chris, I, do not, I don't think, I just don't feel yeah. that. And Sean Payton sort of said, he said to me when I was asking, do you have an NFC championship game hangover, he says, doesn't a hangover come after you do something good and you're drinking and you're having a good time? He said, we don't have a hangover. But he, and he also made this point. He goes, look, you know, we, we're doing the thing that we love. And we don't come back with our tails between our legs saying, oh, woe is us. We come back saying, all right, we're going to knock the door down this yeah, year. Right. So I, I, th I don't. I don't really think they're going to have that issue, but, hey, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I, they are an extremely resilient bunch. And yep. 
I think when a lot of people think of the New Orleans Saints, they think, oh, high-flying, throwing the ball over the place, and they're not. They play a game of football that, yes, Drew Brees lights it up and Sean Payton's amazing, but they're physicality first. It's No question. He's from that Bill Parcells school of coaching, yep. and that's one of the things I enjoy watching them do. But it's interesting you say that about the defense because there, there was – let down last year. Marshawn Lattimore was not as good last year as he right. was the year before. Uh, the interesting thing, they yeah, had a really right. good like six-game stretch where they averaged giving up points in the teens. If they do that consistently, look, the offense is going to average thirty a game, you know, unless they just don't show up or they have major injuries. They're they're going to be fine yeah. on offense. We know that. The biggest issue is can they consistently get pressure on the passer? Can they consistently? cover the way they did in my opinion more consistently two years ago yes right i, I hear yeah. you and they're, they're going to need their first round pick from 2018 uh who i'm blanking on his damn name sheldon rankins no, not sheldon rankins he's gonna know the defense oh. end davenport oh yeah, yeah about the pass davenport. Right. i'm he's sorry gonna, i'm sorry he battled with some injuries last yep. year rankins is coming going to be coming off an achilles uh achilles tendon tear that he got in that uh, NFC divisional playoff game against the Eagles. Yep. Subsequently, him and uh, who was that? Brandon Brooks and two consecutive yep. plays went. Yep. So, all right. Yes, I'm picking. The, I, I believe I'm going to pick the Saints to go to the playoffs. I just don't know how I feel yeah. about it yet. I need to see some how preseason far, yeah. football and just to get a feel there. You don't. You don't get the feeling there's any concern with Drew Brees or anything like that because you hear inklings sometimes they're a little worried about his ability to push the ball down the field yeah. that kind of stuff but you don't seem to think there's see, any worry there. I don't see it yet yeah and again I mean I when I talk to Brees um, he is not a guy who is thinking about you know it's almost over. Yeah. He's a guy who's thinking I'm gonna play multiple he's, years. He's, he's Brady right. Yeah. He's right. like Bradyville. Okay. Now we go to Captain Andrew. Dearest Muller, <laughs> I'm up here in Indianapolis, and I have a calf strain. What do I do? <laughs> Save me. Um, Colts, I think everybody expects big things from the Colts this year. I think they're probably. They are, they are, they are yeah. in my opinion, I think they're going to have, by the end of the season, I think they're going to have four starters from this draft uh, starting on a playoff team because – you know, Paris Campbell. Yeah, and uh, well, okay, yes, but but I think I think the one thing you look at with this team, not necessarily you know any individual players, they got that kid Speed, that linebacker. I forget his first name, but it's hilarious. His last name is Speed, but he is their fifth round pick, and he was lighting up camp the day we oh, saw it. Gosh. And and in my my feeling, my feeling is when you look at the Colts. One of the great things is that, and look, they, I don't know what would happen with Josh McDaniels. Nobody knows. Right. But one of the great things that happened with this team is that they got a guy on the offensive side of the ball, you know, in Frank Reich and, and that, and their staff. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Matt Eberflus. Yeah, sure. Who basically say, you know how coaches always say, like Parcells always used to say, well, I go by what I see. Yeah. Well, a lot of coaches say I go by what I see, but do you really? And and Matt Eberflus, Darius Leonard pointed this out to me. He goes, "We, there's nothing on this team that when you look at when you look at the team as a whole, there's nothing that is based on seniority. Yeah, you know, it is right. all interesting. You, let's watch practice, right? And those and the and the best guys are what we're gonna are, are gonna play. Now, Chris, do you remember? 
last year. It was a Bleacher Report story. Yeah. Last year, right, right after the draft. Right. It was a Bleacher Report story that said that Darius Leonard was one of the worst picks in the draft. Remember, he is an FCS guy. Sure. You know, one double A for those who don't know it, what FCS right. is, and yep. I don't know what FCS is. Is that, is that the right thing? One I think it is. I, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's it's a it's a small cut from South Carolina State. Right. <clears throat> and they get this thing with FCS. And Bleacher Report just said this guy is one of the worst picks in the draft. Mm. Now and and so Darius Leonard who reads a lot of things. Most players say, I read nothing. Yeah. He reads a lot of things. Right. He puts this on his phone. And every day when he's working out, he reminds me, oh, I'm one of the worst picks. I'll show you, fella. Yeah. Whatever it is Man. that he said. And he didn't say fella. Um, he basically went out during he's the probably court. said fucker. Yeah, he might have. He you he fucker. Might have said, <laughs> I don't know what he said, but it wasn't friendly. Yeah. Um, but – what I find really interesting is that in the second game of his NFL career, this guy who's, who Bleacher Report called one of the worst picks in the draft had 19 tackles against Washington. He's and, everywhere. And, he, and he's, he's on his way. Right. He, he's, and, and so I guess I kind of look at this and I just say, man, you know, we don't know about Andrew Luck's calf. You just assume it's not going to be horrible, but right. you don't know. No, you don't you know. know. But – if Andrew Luck is okay, I happen to think Marlon Mack's one of the most underrated players in football. I hear that. I think he is a is a good to very good NFL running back. Right. He reminds me a little bit in what people think. Remember what Damian Williams did last year sure. when he went to Kansas City? Yeah. Everybody said, oh, my God, the Chiefs, they can't walk and chew gum anymore without Kareem Mack. And, and Damian Williams did a good job. In my opinion, I think this – the running back situation in Indianapolis is going to be okay. I, I agree with you. Their defense is going to be young and hungry. Right. And I'll tell you one thing. Justin Houston wants to show people he's yeah, not done, too. he's not done. Okay. So, I kind of love the Colts. Okay. Actually, a so lot. So, that, yeah. that to me. I love the Colts. Sounds like you're like, mm, you're thinking Super Bowl-ish. They're in that conversation in your they brain. They will be in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. You know my three teams in the conversation? Go ahead. I, of course I do. Chiefs. Right. Colts. Pats. Yeah, that's that's those not shocking. My, I, I hear you. Those are my three, and I'm gonna pick. I think I'm gonna pick one of those three. Okay. All right. Not. To remind everybody, this is Chris Sims on Button Podcast. I am here with Peter King. We're just rolling, uh, rolling <laughs> along on I-76 we're, East. We're boring the living crap out of everybody across America because I can't shut up. What are we on right now? <laughs> 276? What the hell highway are we no, on? We're on, the, we're on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Headed Pennsylvania Turnpike? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're headed to Pittsburgh. I didn't yeah. know where the hell we are, but good job by you there. Okay. You go to the Colts. Now, you get after the Colts, you get to go up to watch Green Bay and the Houston Texans. Yeah. On really, which was one of the more—that's one of the most days we've had in training that camp. That is so one far. of the most interesting days in training camp I've seen in a while. First of all, broken bike, Lonnie Johnson. We first had it of all. all, first of all, I'll tell you what is really interesting. I didn't know this until David Bakhtiari told me. He said, "Do you? Re or, no, I'm sorry, Brian Balaga. We have not practiced against another team in Green Bay since 2005. Mike McCarthy never wanted to no, do it. He did not, and so." They came out, and, um, you know, there's very loud music at Packers practice. And you know that song, Paradise City? 
Take me down to Paradise, Paradise City. City where the grass that is was green and the when girls the, are pretty. When the um, when the when the Texans walked onto the field in their you know their their shiny uh, uh, blue uniforms, dark right. blue uniforms, and the Packers were already out there, I just said, man, I'll tell you one thing. I want to see J.J. Watt chase Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> And he did, and evidently he tweaked his groin while he was chasing him. <laughs> but that it, it was it was real it was really a cool day to see two really good NFL teams practice against each other with some intensity. Yeah, I yeah. bet it's a, it's a good change up. And really, yep. this is I, I think, you know, I believe the Green Bay went to New England one year with Mike McCarthy and did it up there, but they haven't done it at home yeah. since 2005. Right. And. I, I, I this is going to be the wave of the future. These type of practices, don't yeah. you think? I mean, because you don't you don't tire well, people out. The, the, as this, you know, the, I find I find this interesting. Bill O'Brien was so fired up. What we met with him at six o'clock in the morning on Monday, and he was so fired up because he said, "Look, we get to go to a place that is the cradle of football. Yeah. Our players are excited." J.J. Watt, one of the Houston staffers, said, "I think J.J. Watt is going to cry today." Because just remember, J.J. Watt is a Wisconsin, Wisconsin kid, boy, yeah. and there was one time in his life, in his pro career, when Houston played at Green Bay, and that was one of the years he was hurt. Right. So he's never played a pro football game or practice in Wisconsin, and until Monday, and it was uh, it was kind of a cool thing. But look, as far as as far as Houston goes, <clears throat> I think that Chris. I mean, I. I'm just I will be surprised if before the season begins if they don't address their offensive line in a major way. Yes. Because I think and look, I don't know who it's gonna be. Is it gonna be Trent Williams? I mean it should be Trent Williams. Right. Of all the teams in football, contending teams that desperately need a better offensive line. Top of the list. Uh, they're at the top of the list. Yeah. They are right now. They got the best receiver in football. They got J.J. Watt. They got Whitney Merciless. Right. They will have uh, they will have Clowney back, right. um, and you know, and and obviously Deshaun Watson. They have enough players and people to be really, really good. Right. But they're not going to have that if Watson sacks sixty-five. No, times. exactly yeah. right. And they're going to what? Are they going to rely on these two young guys, Titus Howard, Max Sharping? I believe yeah, I is the other it. guy. Yeah, I, I know. And don't you don't know it. if you can depend on them, especially early early on. That's a big question. Yeah. Texans are a big question for me. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't think they're another team. They were eleven and five last year. They teeter on the playoff conversation for me this year. I don't know and, what to think and, of them quite and, yet. And think about this. Yeah. <clears throat> if I were guessing right now, this is just a guess. I would guess that I would have the Jacksonville Jaguars be the fourth team in that division. Yeah. And that's insane. That's insane. If not them, Tennessee. But that's that's insane because insane. both I know both of those teams could win ten games. I, I know. every team in that division could win ten games. It is stacked. So it is a it's a stacked division. When I mentioned that to O'Brien, he goes, "Oh, you could say that about any division." I said, "Well, eh. I don't think you can. No, I mean, not you know, to that extent. Yeah, top to bottom, I think that is." It's not necessarily the best division at the top. Right. It's the best division at the bottom. Yeah. Yep. That's the best way to say it. You're exactly yep. right. Now, flip side, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. All the changes they've made. Of course, yep. Lafleur, Rodgers, everything going there. I don't know how much time you got to spend with them. I got Lafleur for about 20 minutes, okay. and we had a really good conversation about, um, look, this is my opinion. And you know, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from just very much outside the fence peering in because you would know this 
Chris, I, if you go to Coach Aaron Rodgers, you do not say to him, okay, yeah, we've been speaking French here for the last 14 years, and now right away, overnight, you got to learn Russian. Yeah, right. They're not going to do that. No. Matt LaFleur is going to basically say to him, look, here's what we want to do. The most important thing, I think, to Matt LaFleur is tempo. He wants to play not necessarily all the time hurry up. Right. But get, but, get up to the line of scrimmage. Yep. Let's not sit there Let's and check go. the 50 Let's different go. plays and, and go. And right. he, because he wants to put consistent pressure on the defense. So I think the biggest thing to LaFleur is just to play fast. And if Aaron Rodgers wants to change some plays, he'll change them. Yeah. And so I think right now when I look at that team, um, I think there isn't going to be the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur problem that everybody says. I'm with you there as well. I don't think there is either. I think it's, I, I've been saying this from the start. I think it's actually a great thing that the the, the audible thing became a, a public discussion. I think that showed that they were willing to talk on it, talk about it, work on it. And Chris, I got it. Yeah. You, you would, you'd love this yeah. story. You'd, you'd really love this. But when, when uh, the other day when Aaron Rodgers passed Matt LaFleur in the hall, right. Uh, they were talking about something, and Aaron says, hey, you're the boss. And LaFleur said, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're in this together. Uh, we're this. And, yeah. and LaFleur, he, 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 he is He's dead different. serious right. about this. Yeah. He yeah. wants Aaron Rodgers to be on the team, you know, to be, to be a part of the team that basically figures all this out. Yeah, he's not looking so, to be a dictator at this exactly, point. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, interesting. I'm, uh, Green Bay is a team that, I, you know, again, I think Aaron Rodgers is spectacular. I think anybody that listens to me knows that. But I think You Lafleur, like Aaron Rodgers. I, I do. You have yeah. the proverbial man crush on exactly Aaron Rodgers. Exactly right, yes. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had the last three weeks, I've got to interview my two man crushes, really, with Rodgers and Odell Beckham Jr. today. Yeah. And, I mean, it wouldn't have happened. Odell, without you, I don't think yeah. so. You know what? Cheers I'll tell you that. what. You've always liked the younger men. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I go after. The younger men. That's right. <laughs> All right. We're on our way to Pittsburgh. Like I said, first off, everybody's got to download the Peter King podcast. You don't have to. No. It's okay. Listen to Chris it, Sims' podcast, well, it, the Unbuttoned podcast. Hopefully it's very groovy. To and you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Maybe one day yeah. when, when Chris grows up, He's going to get a sponsor for the podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Because I really, you know what I would really like to see you get? What? I'd love to see you get Untuck It. Untuck It? For a, for a sponsor because you walk around untucked all the time. All the time. What yeah, the you're, like, you're like the man's man in terms of being untucked. <laughs> I think that's good. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we can work something out there. The guy that invented Untuck It actually is from my hometown. So that would be quite, really? quite nicely. That well, would well be. let's, you know what, maybe, maybe I I could get involved and go talk to him because a lot of times on this trip I've gotten involved in things that I have nothing to do with and certainly nothing positive to do with. But anyway. Well, yeah, you were great, especially with Annie too. Annie and her family, all the questions you asked today at dinner was awesome. Loved it. But either way, uh, we have had a blast. This is, this is the end of the podcast. We're almost there. It's Aren't over? We almost there? It's over? Are we getting there? We're close. Oh, no, no. I want to talk for another hour. No, I Could don't. We talk for I've had enough. Hour? I love listening to you, but I'm sick of fucking talking, okay? I've had enough. I've been up since 5.30 this morning. I did pro football talk. Uh, you got coming up. You know what I often wonder, though, yeah. about Florio? Yeah. 
Florio talks all day. And then you know what else he does? Right. Then he talks some more. Oh, my God. I mean, he, he talks forever. Never. I mean, Never and, and stops. He, and I think, I think like, when I'm on the show with him every Tuesday, we're going to do it again this season. Yeah. Sometimes I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Mike loves talking so much that I think he wishes that occasionally I would say, hey, Mike, just talk through this break. I got to go get a cup of coffee. You know, but anyway, I, I, I wonder how you deal with, with his Florio? voracious right. talking. Well, you know I have a big mouth as well, so we're a good. It's a good combination. Yeah. Um, we're going to Pittsburgh. You'll see that as part as uh, part of Peter Peter King's training camp tour. I'm going to get some cool interviews. Don't know who I'm going to get yet. But then after that, just want to give everybody a preview of where you're going. It goes. You take a few days off, which you deserve. You're going to go yeah. home, see the see the wife, family, yeah. hang out a little bit. Okay, that's good. Then it's Arizona, Oakland Raiders. San Francisco 49ers, Rams, Seattle Seahawks, Chargers Saints joint practice on Friday the 16th of July, and then you travel to Kansas City where I know you have some special things. Yeah, but the big event in Kansas City is yeah. that is that I am going to go on Saturday to see the Mets and the and the Royals in Kansas City. Well, so I'm a big. little bit I'm a little bit of a baseball nerd. I know you are. And so I'm going to see the Mets try to make their late season drive for the playoffs on a Saturday night in Kansas City and uh, right. well, if you're good bring, times are going to be had by all. Okay, that's good. That's always good. Well, if you're going to bring up baseball, um, yeah. and you know I'm a Yankees fan, it's yeah. my chance to rub it in. How's it feel to be 14 and a half games back oh, right now as a Red Sox? We smell. <laughs> we are terrible. We're terrible. So I'm, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but <laughs> Go I'm going to say one thing right now. Okay. So, you know, the other day, one of my best friends of all time, a guy named Don Banks, a great American sports writer. Yep, RIP to him. And he's a uh, – you know, he, he, he just started a new job in Las Vegas, and he passed away covering the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremonies right. in Canton. Um, and it was just it was incredibly sad, and a lot of people have given a lot of tributes to him. But I was talking to his best friend in the world, a columnist from Tampa called John Romano. And John Romano is, you know, has gone everywhere. He's been Don's best friend for 30 years. And I just said, you know, I can just tell you, that Don would have been so despondent over what happened at Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Because Don is a bigger Red Sox fan than I am. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many times he would text me after a Red Sox loss, and he would say, all right, I'm done with these idiots. It's over. I can't root for them anymore. Uh, and and uh, anyway. That's uh, all right. Boston, shout out, you've had enough, but shout out to Don Banks. Shout out his, to Don Banks. And his yeah. family and everything. Who yep. we, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Uh, that's It's uh, an unfortunate loss for the whole NFL community. Yep. Uh, go Yankees. And that's the end of the podcast, all right? We're done. Chris Sims on button. Like I said, check out all the things Peter King is doing uh, on the NBC Sports platform. Going to be awesome. And it's starting to rain. A shitstorm's coming. So we got to get out now, okay? Shitstorms are not easy to drive through. Peace out, homies. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye to everybody. So long, everybody. Bye-bye. Up the garbage. Ma, I'm listening to Unbutton. Daryl, you're 47 years old. Take out the fucking garbage. What do I mean, Mom? Make the fucking meatloaf.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.